0: Okay, very good. Uh, I want to introduce everybody to Scott Johnston. He, he, he wrote the book uh, Campus What? And please describe your book.
1: Campus Land.
0: Campus Land. Okay, very good. And it's, it's kind of like a, a representation or a fictional portrayal of your time where?
1: Well, it wasn't really my time. Uh, it, it, my time was uh, in the early 80s. It's more about the current uh, cultural climate on college campuses, and uh, it it largely resembles Yale. But I didn't call it Yale in the novel because I didn't, two reasons really. Uh, Number one, uh, if if I'd called it Yale, I would have had to been accurate about every, you know, hundred percent accurate about every Yale detail in there, and I didn't want to be beholden to that. Although it's pretty close.
0: Yeah, no, I understand. I I was at UConn. I knew what was going on at Yale, so I understand. Yes,
1: <laughs> And the other reason is that um, I didn't want people to think this is, you know, what's going on culturally is just a function of uh, of Yale. It's it's really happening at just about every college. So I decided to call the college something
0: else. No, no, it was good, but but I, I found it interesting as as I was reading. It was kind of. It's like, I, I went off to college to get away from that. And I, I don't know whether that makes sense or not, but it's, it's like, I, I wanted to study chemistry and such like that or whatever else. I, I, I didn't, I kind of rejected it and such like that. So that's things. So uh, please describe your, your experience in the prep school first thing, because I did it, as I said, I did an interview with a bunch thinking because one, one of my favorite movies from years ago was Goodbye, Mr. Chips, both versions. And so, in a way, I thought myself, because I was a guy that kind of had distant parents and such like that, that would be kind of cool to go in and think where I thought I might fit in more. So, please describe your prep thing, things, and when you started, and where you went, and such like that, just for some Boston, background.
1: I went to Milton, which is uh, a boarding school not far from Boston, um, and uh, very rigorous. Uh, I... Um, I'm a big believer in boarding schools. I think, you know, when I, when I got to uh, Yale, the kids who had gone away to high school um, were far more self-possessed uh, and just comfortable in their own skin and c- comfortable with being away from home than the kids who had not gone away to school. Um, sure. I understand. Took the latter probably six months to catch up. Um, so, you know, Milton is a very traditional or was a very traditional New England uh, leafy boarding school Um, traditionally a Harvard feeder. If you went back to the 1930s, probably 90% of the class would have gone to Harvard. Uh, And then the remaining uh, 10% would have gone to Yale, Princeton, and maybe one guy went to Middlebury. Um,
0: Yeah. Is that Northwest of Boston? Where where are the towns nearby?
1: A Little south.
0: Oh, oh, a little south. Okay. Okay, cool. Okay. I
1: understand. it, so, but you know, it, it's like most of the New England boarding schools. It's hopelessly woke now. Um, and, yeah,
0: uh, uh, right, right. Yes, I understand. It, it's like I have pet peeves about because I got very weird, weird interviews for the National Association of Independent Schools, thinking I well, did they, really, really well, and then they.
1: Yeah, the um, NAIS is driving a lot of this awfulness. Um,
0: yeah, I know, but it, it was it was incredibly weird because the chemistry department people, that the science people were interview me I think thought it went really really well but then it freaked out and and I I, I, I was dismissed and so it's like weird I thought they wanted rigor regarding chemistry instruction at in high school thing because I really wanted to teach it properly so okay so go ahead so what did you sort of major in college prep there or did you kind of have preferences regarding courses or anything
1: Um. I was very focused on getting into a good college, so I worked pretty hard, but I also had a lot of fun. Dormitory life when you're, you know, 15, 16, 17, it's, uh, can be an intense and very fun experience. Um, and, uh, you know, what can I say? It was a good school. I played a lot of sports. Um, I uh, did a lot of extracurriculars. I studied hard. Uh, I goofed off a bit. I uh, did a little bit of everything, <laughs> um, but it all, all worked out, and uh, uh, you know, got into Yale, which was nice, and uh, went from there.
0: So, so one one thing you mentioned before the chat, you mentioned your dad went there. What, what describe his experience and his connections to the school, and, yeah, and how that fit? Because the legacy thing is pretty is a pretty big thing at Yale and some of the other Ivies.
1: So yeah, you're talking about Yale now, not Milton.
0: Yeah, 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 I'll come back to the Milton, but I just was curious about your dad's experience. Did he go to prep school also?
1: No, he was from um, a very, uh, uh, very sort of almost lower middle-class family uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, Um, and uh, went to a... uh, Public high school, Memphis Central High, which interestingly now is almost 100% black, um, and uh, graduated first in his class there. And uh, you know, it was quite a novel thing for someone from his background and from Memphis Central High to go to Ivy League school. He was also a very good golfer. He uh, shot a 58. Yeah, okay, from, that's
0: cool. I we'll
1: said <laughs> in high school, he shot a 58 on a local municipal course.
0: Well, no wonder Yale wanted him. Yes, yes, I understand. That's he
1: cool. was actually not a recruit. He did play on the Yale golf team, but he was not he was not recruited for uh, for sports.
0: No, 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 that's not the point. I just said uh, no wonder if they wanted him because it, it was a stereotype in my family, particularly my father's side of the family. So in any case that's just weird. So
1: um, so he uh, he had a lifelong love of Yale. He had a great experience. Um
0: Yeah, it it, it was a very different school back when he went there. That's like Swarthmore was, too, for my dad and my mother. Both of my parents went to Swarthmore College, so it's like their things, but but they had relatives that went to Princeton and other places. Even Princeton was recommended to me, and my dad talked about Yale because his father went there, 1902, 1903, because he got his bachelor's in engineering and then stayed for – I think a, it started with a BS and B.A. in engineering. Then he had a BS, which is an extra year, and then he went off to work as a as, as a mining engineer. And then he went back to go to medical school in Nebraska. So, but then he ended up living in New London, which of course isn't far from New Haven. So, so where did you grow up then?
1: Manhattan.
0: Oh, okay, okay. So lower lower or upper or whatever I, I visited there often i went to college in westchester county so uh
1: the upper east side
0: oh okay very nice okay what did your dad do as a business or or whatever
1: uh he worked for the same company for his entire life until he died sort of young he died at 66 so he's still working for the same company that he joined right out of yale um a company called uh, scudder stevens and clark which is an investment management company. Um, and uh, he eventually became the, the president. Uh, wow, cool. Great career. Uh, so,
0: so, so did he graduate from Yale with in business, a business major, or what was his major there? You know, he had a
1: BS. You can't major in business at Yale. Um, he had a, B, a Bachelor of Science. I forget what his actual major was. He was not a Bachelor of Arts.
0: It wasn't a Bachelor, it wasn't in mathematics or something related to numbers?
1: yeah i can't remember honestly what his major was um but he was five beta kappa which is pretty you know rarefied air
0: yes uh, i understand
1: i did um but uh he he was so happy when when i went because my two older brothers went to harvard and my father valued his, his yale experience so much
0: <laughs> okay yeah all right, all right well um, well, I, I, I grew up with Swarthmore graduates as my parents in Swarthmore, and, and it was funny that the Swarthmore College faculty you know, and students looked down on the looked down on the Ivies as if they were inferior, <laughs> which struck me as <laughs> quite weird. But but they were a lot more pious than whatever else, and more self righteous than than the uh, the, the lower the, the the lower echelon of of uh, I, I don't know how to put it. A, a, a rarefied air elite or whatever that, that Swarthmore had too. So Swarthmore is kind of in the same boat as Oberlin, Mid, Middlebury, and, and and some other schools. So uh, they kind of feel superior, or at least they did. I don't know whether it's true or not, but whatever. But, okay, go ahead. You were saying, so, so you went to Milton then. And so basically, did you start in eighth grade there or ninth grade? What, uh, did you go to public before then when you were in Manhattan?
1: Uh, no, I went to uh, a private school in New York City. Called, you know, it's called Buckley. It's all boys. Okay. And uh, I didn't go away to boarding school until 10th
0: grade. Well, that's interesting because the Buckley School was the one my father went to in New London, Connecticut. Um, and, uh, and he finished there in 1937 or 1938, and then went to Swarthmore, but then had a gap there or something. I, I, I'm not certain as to the gap, but, uh, but I don't know whether that Buckley related in the Lon- London is compared to the Buckley in Manhattan. But uh, I don't
1: think they're related. Huh? They're not related. W-
0: was it Buckley with an L-E-Y?
1: Yes. But I'm quite sure that Buckley in New York City is not related to any other school.
0: Oh, okay, okay. That, well, it must be another branch, distant relatives, or something that started a different one. But, but in any case, that's that's quite interesting. That's that's so 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 uh, so. You started then in tenth grade, then. So uh, and and so obviously Yale isn't that far from Manhattan. So you took the train back and forth regularly during the weekends or something.
1: No, you know, um, Yale was um, such a fun place to be when I was there that, you know, kids didn't tend to leave campus that much. Um, You know, yeah, Manhattan was an hour and a half away. I only recall going there with classmates for fun one time in four years. Uh, It just wasn't a draw for us.
0: Yeah, yeah, I understand. It's a very, the houses and the other things there and such like that, so but uh, okay, let's get to your book now. I, I, think, I think that listeners or whatever got an understanding for where you're coming at with this, or watchers. So uh, the, uh, your book, uh, first, one of the things based on your background and whatever, what, when you decided to think about writing it, what was the point? What did you want to do with it?
1: Well, there, there's a little bit of a backstory because I'm not a writer by any sort of training. Um, yes,
0: okay, that's cool. I, 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 I kind of understand why you wrote it, but this is about you today. This is about you because of the way I, I've been writing my own book, but I don't plan on ever writing it because it'd be too depressing. But in case, go ahead.
1: Um, well, I, I always knew I could write a sentence and a, and a paragraph. And I when I ran an investment fund, I wrote very good investment letters. But the idea okay. of writing a novel was quite foreign. Um, so I was um, at a free speech conference at Yale a few like, four or five years ago, um, and mind uh, there were a bunch of speakers. It was like a symposium, um, and it, it took place. It was a one day thing, and it mind you, Yale did not sponsor it in any way. Yale's Yale's bag these days. Well, is was not- it
0: connected to the to the map Buckley um, thing they have there, or not?
1: Yeah. So they were the sponsors. So it was physically oh, okay. That's
0: cool. okay.
1: physically on Yale's campus, but not in, in any real way affiliated with Yale. So was the, it
0: officially their, their their seminar, whatever one of their seminars? Because I used to subscribe to the National Review. I started subscribing to the National Review in 1974 when I found I was the only Republican in my family. I had two magazines, the American Spectro and American Spectator and National Review. I, I found copies of those on the train going to Philadelphia, and then I started reading them and subscribed to them, so yes. So uh, William F. Buckley Jr. liked to talk about Yale a lot in his essays.
1: Uh, well, to answer your question, it was sponsored by the Buckley Society, which is a conservative um, group that exists in and around Yale, and is loosely affiliated with Yale, but it, it's not... Um, well, Yale had nothing to do with putting this conference on as the salient point here. Oh, no, no, no.
0: I understand because, because uh, didn't William F. Buckley kind of make the distance from him because of his book, God Man at Yale, as well.
1: Yeah. Well, that was decades ago. but Yeah. Yeah.
0: But he made, he made a lot of people angry at him. So.
1: Well, the Buckley Society was founded long after Buckley died.
0: Um, yeah. Okay. 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 I understand. Okay. Um,
1: so the... Uh, we were at this conference and 200 undergrads showed up and tried to physically shut the conference down.
0: They had (laughs) signs,
1: screaming and they tried to bust into the room and everything. What
0: what year was this?
1: uh, This was probably five years ago.
0: Okay. Um, Okay. Yes. Okay. All right.
1: And uh, I remember walking out. uh, I was, we were, they were kept out of the, our, our, our sort of lecture hall by campus police and we were instructed to leave by a certain set of doors and i remember i was the first one through the doors with roger kimball the uh the, the well-known journalist and yeah i
0: subscribed to him i i i'm a follower of his on twitter yes
1: but yeah. he's great so uh anyway we, we 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 were the first ones through the double doors and um there were 200 students out there um uh, screaming at us someone was spit on um, and they were really angry, and uh, they obviously didn't really recognize the irony of using their free speech rights to try and shut down a conference on free speech.
0: Well, did they really care? Because I thought for them, it was all free. free we want to be able to speak freely, but not not anybody disagrees with us.
1: Right. It's free speech for, for me, but not for me. Um, That's right. So, uh, I, as oh, our, there,
0: there you go. You see Quaker language. Quaker. Lead thou though. That's what I grew up with. Lead thou thus.
1: So... Go ahead. Well, during walking through this uh, phalanx of angry kids, I uh, I remember thinking, why hasn't any satirist taken this on, in the form of a satiric novel, just this milieu of craziness on campuses these days, like ideological insanity.
0: Well, and based on what you, based on what I've already read, you really are doing it pretty well with with F. The EPH faculty member and stuff oh, like that. Wow. So it's like, and, and and some of the some of the uh, students. Well, you're coming ahead
1: of me a little bit.
0: Um, oh, that's no, no, fine.
1: But um, it did not occur to me at that time that um, that I should be that person because it had never occurred to me to try and write uh, something like a novel. It's a bit of a mystery to me how to write a novel, honestly. So uh, then I went to my, fast forward a few months to my college reunion and uh, <laughs> oh I was okay. holding, um, uh, and I worked this scene into the novel. I was holding um, a door open for an undergraduate and she stopped dead in her tracks and she wouldn't go through the door and she accused me of patriarchy for holding the door open for her. And-
0: well, 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 can I get an offshoot for that? Can I describe something to you real quickly? In college, I was dating a girl a lot like that. This was in 1976 or 77. We had gone out for dinner or something like that, or maybe uh, just something. But in case, I I was taking her back to her dorm. I opened the door. I tried to open the door for her and she said, no, I'll get it myself. And this was in 1977. So
1: so She's is, you, she was doing you a favor because you knew right then and there you
0: probably Yeah, shouldn't... I Yeah, I, I never asked her for a date again, but I guess that but that was the weirdest experience. I never thought of it as the King's College at Browcliffe Manor, New York. I don't know whether you've heard of it or not, but it's in Manhattan now, but run by Campus Crusade. But, uh, but basically, I never exper- experienced that at a Christian college. It was like uh, things to get treated because I had the gall to open it up open the door for somebody I just had a nice time with so go ahead you're saying
1: so when we had a standoff and uh (laughs) a minute where neither of us walked through the door and um I think um boredom over overcame her principles sooner than a desire for another drink overcame mine and uh I uh she walked through the door first um, oh, good okay. I, I, I re- literally at that moment I said, I, I'm going to figure out how to write a novel, a damn novel. Um, I, I, I understand <laughs> okay. no one else is doing it. And this, this novel needs to be written. Um, yeah. Okay. So then I Set about figuring out how to write a novel and, and, and did. It took me about six months and uh, it became a bestseller. It got to number 15 on Amazon and it's going to be a, um, a TV series. Well, well,
0: well, for me, I thought I would get through it a lot quicker. But unfortunately, it was almost like I I lived this, through this years before. But of course, it's a lot more examples of what I lived through. So so I will eventually finish it. But it's like I got enough, enough to chat with you about it. So I, I hope that makes sense or not. But just in the first few chapters it gets laid on very thick. So yes, okay. So in any case. So uh, so when when was it officially published and when did it first get let out and such like that? We yeah,
1: got about two years ago. Uh, okay. St. Martin's Press published it published it and uh which was somewhat of um, a miraculous thing because once I wrote it I set about figuring out how to get it published and every source I could find basically said you're dreaming <laughs> if you're a first time novelist. Um, but, um, I actually got a, a publisher, uh, you know, one of the major ones very quickly, which was nice. And, uh, they want another one. So I'm trying to, trying to give them another one.
0: Oh, okay. Well, well, uh, so, well, you'll, you'll come up with one eventually, but the, it, it, it's like, I feel like in some respects, what, because part of the way I think I've Asperger's and part of the way I think is trying to make sense of the world that I grew up in. From from my own background, as I was saying, my grandparents, my grandfather going to uh, Yale, my grandmother going to Wellesley, my father going to uh, Swarthmore, my uncles going to Penn or Oberlin, um, and and my aunt going to Wellesley also, just like her mother did, And, and and. and, and my dad told me he was considering going to WPI in Worcester, Massachusetts, because he liked engineering, and and that was a more technical school, but then he decided on Swarthmore, but he didn't want to go so close, and, and I understand, I understand, but I, I enjoyed my time at UConn very much, but the thing, I never even considered Yale, because the area of chemistry I'm in, Yale doesn't have that area of chemistry, so it's like, I didn't want to go to place that I couldn't study what I wanted in plastics, polymer chemistry, polymer science. So I was at UConn, so, but um, but in any case, that, uh, that's my area is chemistry and that's what it thinks, but the chemistry department, I'm sure at Yale is still pretty good, so.
1: Um, I certainly never graced its doors, so, uh, or its always so, Yeah, um, it, it,
0: it's very interesting. The physics, chemistry, and math department at Yale are probably very isolated from what you described because, the way they worked, my son through it at Yale graduate school, um, he wouldn't have time for all the nonsense that you describe in your book of what students would do. It's like he had some students in his classes that he kind of acted as a TA or or helped lecture or something. But his experience was so in a way, it skipped again. It skipped two generations. My grandfather went to Yale, and then my uh, and then my son went there. two to to get his graduate degree. So basically, he got another A of chemistry than mine. So that was more in line with what he did at WPI. So but but then he did a postdoc at Columbia. So in some respects, it's like it reverted back to the IVs. So uh, back to your experience again, then. So what was the what was the response to your book? And then I want to kind of get off topic about the thing and talk about sort of conservatism and, and basically what your feelings for what current events, and then get into the group I'm kind of involved with as a kind of kibitzer and looking in on of uh, the Russia sluice guys. I, you started following me for an interesting reason. So that's why we got kind got, of got, 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 got in touch. But so so uh, so basically, do you have any other comments about your book that you want to kind of highlight and tell people about? Well,
1: I mean, it was a, it's been an incredibly fun experience. It's, it's led to uh, dozens of speaking engagements, and I was on Tucker Carlson twice. Um, and
0: uh, I Well, your face looks familiar because I used to watch him a lot. So, yeah. so, so but, yeah, Go ahead. You were saying? Sorry. Uh,
1: I was on uh, Eric Metaxas' podcast a couple of times. You probably know him. Um, yeah,
0: and, I, I, I heard of him and I got his book Miracles. So yeah, okay.
1: He's actually a, f- a fellow uh, Yale grad. Um, and um, I, it's just, yeah, you know, it's, it's been kind of a fun ride because it struck a chord with a lot of people.
0: Was, um, he cl- was he in your class or in the neighborhood of when you were there?
1: Two years behind me.
0: OK, because he, he described his Yale experience as being very, being very similar to what you described too, but he kind of kept his distance from it.
1: And I, I kind of hope that um, you know, it, it, I, I am extremely critical with, uh, of, of Yale right now and extremely critical of colleges in general. Um, but I hope in campus land some of the love that I had for my experience also comes through. Um,
0: Well, that's obvious, because I understood why you read it when you're writing it. Because in some respects, you want to make sense of your own experiences and make sense of the changes that have occurred with it. Because I even have my own pet peeves about what happened to my alma mater and the directions this moved to towards wokeness and such like that, too, which I find appalling. But but I view it a different way of going to heterodoxy. From good theology to bad theology, but in some respects, it's no different from Yale because Yale was started by Congregationalist Puritans back in the 1700s, and then they got into Unitarian stuff, and then, then, then that's described in uh, William F. Buckley's book. So, the trends there. So, uh, but yes,
1: I'm not an optimist. Honestly, I get asked a lot if um, <clears throat> people will say. Well, surely this is a pendulum that's going to swing back, but sometimes a pendulum is a wrecking ball. And I believe the cancer at places like Yale and frankly, every other elite college in America is so deeply ingrained and spread through all the vital organs that uh, you know, no amount of chemotherapy is going to cure the patient. I think, these, uh, uh, I think we need to reinvent education it's entirely outside the traditional construct. Well,
0: well, the way you describe the people that go there, even more so than our generation, well, I, I was class of 79. You're probably class of 84, is that correct? Uh,
1: two, 82.
0: 82, okay. So you're not that difference in age. But the, but the thing is, for me, the younger generation, uh, if, if they grow up with parents that are more selfish and let them on their own, whatever else, they're, they're even more going off in weird directions or whatever else because, uh, because it kind of feeds on itself. So in a way, yes, I'm not surprised. Yes, so. But but I, I I don't think that there's a bad thing about exposing it. That's part of the thing of getting of getting things to possibly change at least a little so that parents will decide, I'd rather send my kids to the local public school because then at least I know what they're learning there. <laughs> or, well, I-
1: I try to use humor as as my particular. No, no, reference. no,
0: it's fine. I understand. Yeah, the, you know you
1: can write a thousand letters to editors, but that may not have the same impact as uh, something that's that engages with people because it's funny, uh, and you know, Campus Lane hopefully will make you laugh out loud four or five times before you get to the end.
0: Well, well, one thing I one thing I am curious about because because we got connected through Twitter and such like that. Not anything. I, I never heard of you until you followed me because I like to look and see who follows me and see what their background is so it's say like, it's kind of cool but what made you interested in following me what what comment did I make that was pithy and whatever else that made going, you interested. going
1: back ways I don't remember what it was
0: oh, okay well well I try to go out there and entertain and what poke poke people but in any case uh, that's but but I I delete my tweets every three two or three weeks because I use my real name so. It's like I'm not a I'm not ashamed of my positions, but in case I just wanted to delete them, at least while I was employed as a chemistry teacher, so that it couldn't be used against me, obviously. So, in case, but
1: well, you're you're brave to tweet as a teacher. I I uh, I'm not really cancelable, so I don't I don't tweet I don't uh, delete a damn thing.
0: <laughs> well, well, I. Some people look at my resume. I'm on LinkedIn too and think, oh, he's been all these different places. He can't keep a job. Well, no, I've I've always gone different places because I'm there for the students. I'm not there to please the administration or to, to avoid pissing people off. Because with Asperger's, if you grow up in a situation where basically um, you piss everybody off just by being yourself and they want to change, they think you're broken, and want to fix it. So, you know, I got used to it. So it wasn't as if things, but I, I always felt, and I feel very strongly about this, if someone is competent and does his job well, and people like what they're learning from me as a chemistry teacher, I didn't expect to go into chemistry teaching for that matter. But, but, but my, last, my last teaching position was at a place which is kind of like a Ivy Junior of a, a, a kind of like, uh, a, a less elite group of elites that think they're elite. Uh, I don't know whether that makes sense. Does that make sense to you or not? So, sure. because they had a sports program that was NCAA number one and everything. And it's, and basically they're, they're thoroughly woke, but they hired me anyway, they had a need. And then I started annoying people from the first faculty meeting because I asked the inopportune question saying, well, why are you doing it this way? It doesn't make any sense. Because, but they didn't want to hear that. So, so yes, that's related to what you're talking about. Is that when someone comes in and puts up a country point of view, they're, they're so convinced they're right. They're not going to change. So, yes.
1: By the way, I was an adjunct for a while myself. I, I, I enjoyed teaching a great deal. Where? <laughs> Yale also.
0: Oh, well, did you get good responses or whatever was a part of the grad school so you could do it, uh, do it without thing or did or how did that work regarding your students?
1: I taught undergrads.
0: Um, how did it work regarding students then?
1: How did it work with what? Sorry,
0: regarding your students, how did that work and what did you teach? Was it business oriented or what? Um, what?
1: Yes, it was a course meant to contrast theoretical finance and in economics with with actual real world finance and economics and and how they're really very different from each other and it, all these theories that won nobel prizes completely fall apart in the real world um, and then i brought in some you know top level guys from wall street towards the end of the class to explain like you know how things really work um
0: that
1: that, yeah, well was that,
0: the- no, that sounds fun that's cool yeah because the kind of students you would get that would sign up for that class would not be the woke flighty ones they'd be exactly right and they I taught them. it in
1: 40506 of era which was uh, you know not as crazy as now
0: well just, just because it'll help the conversation my experience in teaching chemistry is teaching general and organic organic I taught twice but mainly general chemistry and you get everybody whatever else that don't understand why they have to take chemistry to be a biology major, or all sorts of other nonsense like that. So it's like they always complain, whine, and all sorts of stuff. So it's like, I, I, I for myself can't imagine doing it at Yale, because with students who are entitled, and based on you described in your book about people getting help writing their entrance exam, entrance essay to get into this school. What's the name of the school there? Devon University?
1: Devon, right.
0: Yeah, yeah. They, they, they get someone else to write their, write, write their entrance essay. That, that kind of describes it and, and the entitledness of some of my students had in certain places because I had the gall to ask them to read the book and work homework problems to learn chemistry. And some tried to cheat. And then found it didn't work with me because I wasn't stupid, so it, I designed tests to make it impossible to cheat. They'd look stupid if they tried, and it worked. So, so it, do you have any comment about what I said regarding that?
1: Uh, I not I don't. <laughs>
0: Well, no, because more related to your students, because your students would, wouldn't be the ones that they really want to learn from you, which in a way is a great blessing for you to get to be able to teach that way.
1: So, oh, well, I, I, I taught a seminar. Um, and it was oh, okay, simple, well,
0: whatever. Yeah, okay.
1: By design, it was limited to 18 students, and I would get probably 200 applications, and they'd have to write essays for why they wanted to be admitted to the course. So I got to cherry pick who I wanted in my class. So it worked out pretty well.
0: And the people that got got the winning essays probably didn't get someone else to do it for them, right?
1: Um, I'm pretty sure they did not. Yeah. They were already. They were already. Uh, most of them were already juniors and seniors um, at, at uh, Yale.
0: No, that's fine. So, so what was your major then there?
1: I majored. In, I started out as an economics major. I dropped it because uh, I quickly realized. Uh, that it was at least the way it was taught at Yale was utterly irrelevant to thing in the real world. And so I lost interest in it pretty quickly and uh, just switched to political science.
0: Oh, okay, okay, I'm sorry. Okay. So um, uh, uh, all right, so let's let's get back to one of the things that came up. I'm kind of curious about this related to what you're doing now and and what you're doing regarding protesting, whatever. What was the turning point in your life, in your family, and whatever else that got you to switch to more a liberal mindset to a more conservative one regarding understanding at least the foundations of Yale and the other, what they were trying to do versus what's happened now to get the contrast? What, what kind of changed your mind? Because I know what happened with me, it's very distinct, but go ahead.
1: We'd have to go back pretty far to before Yale. Um... I was, ever since I was a little kid, I was always a bit of a contrarian. And
0: um, Okay, yeah, all right. Well, that makes sense. Okay. Uh,
1: I remember growing up, uh, you know, in my class at Buckley in New York City. Um, I, was, I was the only Yankee fan. And part of it was a reaction to the fact that every other kid was a Mets fan. Now, you got to realize this is the late 60s. No, and,
0: no, no. I understand. I, it, you know, I, I went to see the Phillies play the Mets twice when I was in college. So a, a doubleheader. So yeah, so the, relevant, the
1: relevant point is the Yankees were awful then; they were terrible, and, and the Mets were the the darling of uh, New York's darling, you know, they won the '69 series. So I just I I never could go along with the crowd. I don't know why. And then I, I did read a book in high school that said, "Did you like
0: Mickey Mantle? You probably like Mickey Mantle and Babe
1: Ruth." I love Mickey Mantle and Bobby Mercer; those guys were my heroes. Well,
0: that's why you're a Yankee fan. Okay,
1: go ahead. Um, and then you know I, I would say as far as conservative philosophy it was a bit of a pile of mush flowing around my head until i read a book in uh i think it was the summer between high school and college i read a book called the time for truth which was written by william e simon who was tra- uh the energies are under uh under
0: uh, yeah i remember I, I remember the guy i never read the book but i remember the
1: title he was a treasure he, he was a. Uh, secretary of the treasury at one point he was also the energy czar and um he was a wall street guy and he just wrote this book and in the 70s conservatism was nowhere nowhere this is the days before rush limbaugh i mean conservatism then was you know sort of william f buckley opining in in polysyllabic words um you know on his on his pbs show on sundays <laughs> that,
0: that was well I, well I like this show I, I i like firing line going all the way back to gore vidal i remember yeah, watching you, that yeah
1: you and 30 other people um
0: no well, it's still fun to watch i i saw some clips of it on YouTube.
1: But it wasn't there was nothing populist about it at all
0: no until, no
1: until really until reagan came along um so for me yeah, that book was um it, it kind of crystallized a whole lot of things that i'd kind of been thinking uh anyway and I remember thinking that oh yeah that's that explains that and and um so and I even in high school I actually started a conservative newspaper too so I, I was I, I
0: was Great, the- brave guy cool all right well how, how'd that go over with some of the uh uh the the uh the world faculty at Buckley
1: Oh no! This is at Milton. We uh, oh at we, Milton.
0: Well, how did go uh, go go with the bulk, uh, the woke faculty at Milton? Well, this Are is pretty do this? Well. we huh? used to
1: print copies and put them in the mailboxes for every faculty member, and uh, they uh, you know one one I remember one guy pushed back on one piece we wrote, um, and uh, wrote a public statement under the name Publius. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, did it, this, did it affect your grades?
0: No, this is before all that. I mean, no, no, no. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad it didn't affect your grades because I kept running into that where I I would give it a contrary opinion when I went off to college in my own area. And, uh, and I was surprised that people were grading me based on how much they liked me and nothing to do with what what I do about it.
1: It's an important point to understand about that era, the seventies, eighties, and probably into the nineties, that schools like Ivy League schools and the prep schools and so forth, they were all very liberal places in terms of the prevailing. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, right. But, but uh, they didn't penalize. They, they welcomed differing viewpoints, and they certainly didn't penalize you for, for presenting a different viewpoint. And that is really something that's changed. If, if you present a conservative viewpoint in a classroom today, almost anywhere in America, you're taking a real chance with your grade
0: what did you consider any other colleges other than yale when you were originally looking at or was yale always always where you wanted to be
1: oh i applied to a lot of places uh, because i didn't know i'd get in so you know i applied all over the place i think well i I
0: thought because your dad was yale that you were kind of a legacy that you thought you had it put in the door
1: well i got in a bunch of places I, i i um okay cool and uh but uh yale was the right pick
0: no, 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 I, I understand because in some respects, part of my decision was, for example, I knew the faculty in the sciences at Swarthmore were pretty good. And I knew they were good at Princeton and other things that would appreciate my intellect and such like that. But but I was more concerned with the students because, because me being the contrary and the way I was wouldn't go over well at all. It's like, But even when I went off to the King's College, which is a conservative Christian school, The second year I was there, I got started calling, people calling me a narc because because they thought if I found them out, I would have reported them because they could get expelled. I would have reported them for their drug abuse or something like that, which is true. I would have, but I was never aware of it. I didn't wanna be around it. That's why I went to the Christian college that I went to. I didn't wanna be around promiscuous drunkenness, whatever. I was kind of fleeing my own temptation of whatever because my dad was an angry drunk and I had not anything to do with it.
1: Well, I was sort of embracing my temptations.
0: Well, well, we each learn different ways, Scott. It's, it's, it's weird. Our, our, our lives, we grow up in different ways in different times. I just knew that it, I was so angry and bitter and whatever else that if I hadn't become a Christian when I was 15, I would have, uh, but even those circumstances I would have be been dead because because I, I I would not have been able to handle any life past that point. So it, it was a total distinction, a change of heart when I became a Christian in 1973. But uh, and and it was all because God helped me find my dog. I was an angry agnostic that was very intelligent and everything else, and I my I lost my dog, which is a rat terrier. They're wonderful dogs, very friendly. whatever. like my only friend and I lost it in another town way away, and we were going out at night, and I was going over a bridge and saying, saying, God, if you're real, I have no idea if you're real or not. I I didn't want anything to do with my parents' Unitarian Universalist slash Quaker crap that didn't affect their behavior. So basically, I, I was kind of desperate saying, God, if you're real, help me find my dog. Well, our family, my mom or dad took me back to the town again. And he was just, just sitting there right beside the road the next day. And then a few, five months later, after my parents separated, then I saw the movie Time to Run in 1973, which is a Billy Graham movie. And the end message really blew me away. So that was the, that was the beginning of my new life. But that, that's what got, but then I got involved with seeing on the train because I like to go to the Franklin Institute regularly on weekends, on Saturdays. For many courses and such like that, so I on the train I found an American Spectator and National Review, and was talking to somebody. I think it was a faculty at Penn, and he recommended the National Review. But I found the American Spectator, and so that's kind of, wow! I can be a conservative and a Christian too. So it's like, wow, that's cool. Did you in the seventies? Did you ever read the American Spectator?
1: Um, I did. My eldest brother was a big fan. Um, and uh, was friends with the editor, whose name I'm trying to come up. Emmett Tyrell. Yes, they, my older, my oldest brother, and uh, Tyrell were friends, and I, I met him on, on a couple of occasions.
0: Yeah, well, that that that's cool. So, so are, are you the are, so you have multiple conservatives in your family? Then is your family relatively conservative too? Your father uh, also?
1: I have three brothers, and they're all conservative. Yes. Yeah.
0: So, so was was their transition similar to yours? And let me get more specific regarding your your transition. What what was the thing that kind of changed your mind regarding turning away from?
1: Well, nothing. I think I told you I didn't transition from anything. I kind of
0: oh, you were contrarian just... from the beginning. Okay, that's I understand. Okay,
1: from the beginning, it just sort of crystallized over time more completely. Um, my oldest brother. Uh, was actually a liberal right up until he voted for McGovern when he was at Harvard. Uh, <laughs> and then he kind of woke up. Um, and then my, he's much older, he's nine years older than I am. Uh, my second oldest brother, he's always been reasonably conservative. And my younger brother wrote a high school paper that I stumbled on defending this. No, maybe it was a paper when he was in college, defending the Sandinistas. And he very much grew out of that. In fact, he grew out of it on a school trip to Berlin Um, This is Berlin, you know, in the Cold War years, where somehow they had access to East Berlin. So they took a bus across the border from West Berlin, which all of of its vibrancy and color, this drab, gray, depressing existence on the other side in East Berlin. And and he was self-aware enough to sort of put two and two together and say, hey, maybe maybe this isn't all it's built up to be. What
0: year was that then?
1: that would have been i'm guessing you know 80 81 82 somewhere in there um and uh so that that uh, turned him around completely he's very conservative now
0: oh okay well, well that's cool one thing in your circle of friends in manhattan and such like that and i know you're kind of at a different status level or whatever but um are, are you still in the business? You are, as well as being an author, or are you sort of retired from what you're doing? before? I'm
1: uh, semi-retired. I still uh, work a bit for uh, a private equity company, but I, I'm 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 going to call it semi-retired. I I do a lot of blogging at something called the Naked Dollar, and okay. uh, I uh, I'm working on another novel.
0: Well, well, basically, I I, I turned sixty-four and. With a PhD and 30 years teaching experience, and also I have to agree with diversity deep dive things now. Write an essay regarding what things, and and I I blew my I blew some applications out of the water when I went for an interview when I said no, I treat my students as individuals, and that didn't go over very well. So basically, I'm kind of retired. That I'm too expensive or too. Um, it, educated so they could get someone to adjunct teach uh, or temporary teach for a lot cheaper than me. So so I, I kind of fizzled out last year. But I have a saying, uh, chemists never retire, they just reach equilibrium. So I'm trying to find my equilibrium. So I hope that makes sense regarding what equilibrium is. You you know what equilibrium is?
1: Uh, I- Familiar with the word? Sure.
0: Well, it, it's like it's going back and forth. It's like you come to medium. It's like a chemical reaction could go one direction or the other, and equilibrium is in the middle. So, but chemistry reach equilibrium, we don't retire, so to speak. So, it's like we just change gears. So, it is all right. Well, let's get let's get back to more current things about other things, particularly related to the group that I'm kind of helping out with. Whatever. Uh, one thing I want to talk about because. Uh, Justice Kavanaugh went through, uh, went through his own kind of thing regarding the ringer, regarding how he was treated and such like that. But he also had a prep school background and then went to, I think, Georgetown. Um, and, and, so, and one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, is, part of what he got stuck with was his antics in high school. And one thing I wanted to ask you is uh, all the antics that go on in these Ivy schools or whatever else, are they kind of set up in a way so that they remain part of the crowd that if anybody sticks out, they can bring up the past and then say, this is what you really are like. And so we shouldn't listen to you now, even though they grew up and these other people didn't.
1: Well, Brett Kavanaugh didn't go to Georgetown. He went to Yale. He was in my fraternity.
0: Oh, Um, he went to Yale. Okay, okay. Then, Then you know him more than... I thought, okay, that's cool, okay.
1: Uh, and I should point out my fraternity uh, boasts both Bushes, Justice Kavanaugh and Ron DeSantis as, uh, as grads. Um, and, uh, so what, when,
0: fr- what fraternity is that? So, Deke. Oh, okay, okay. But, but well, then, then uh, what year was he at Yale then? When did he finish at Yale? Was he Yale undergraduate?
1: He was, uh, I believe he was class of 88.
0: Okay, so he followed you a little. So yeah. so did it really surprise you that they brought up his prep things things because he was ever since Yale he was that he was Roman Catholic and very committed Roman Catholic. But did it didn't surprise him you that he people brought up the antics from high school? Uh,
1: if you understand liberalism and how it works these days. Oh no, I, I really do. So that's no, why I'm I, asking you. I'm speaking rhetorically. Yes, uh, okay. And, and, uh, and if you understand how the Democrat Party works these days. None of this should be a surprise how he's treated. None of it should be a surprise. How I, I, sh- I will add that how he was treated is one of the most reprehensible things that has ever happened in US politics. Um, all that, all, everything brought up about him was crap. My wife actually knew Christine Blasey Ford in high school and um, she's crazy. Her family basically disowned her. They wouldn't show up at the hearings. The stories that came out of Yale were nonsense. Um, and well, then... I, knew
0: it was, uh, I knew it was crap just by my own experiences to know because it was so transparently thing of they they couldn't get anything from him at, in college. They had to go all the way back to high school to find dirt on him and, and, and made stuff up about that, too. So it's almost like the only dirt they found on him was he got drunk once in high school. So,
1: well, but, and they him a gang rape, which is um, no,
0: no, no. The, the only thing that was real was he got drunk once in high school. Yeah, and
1: he oh, got drunk so what? He got drunk a bunch in college, too, but, you know, who doesn't?
0: Yeah, yeah, so what, yeah.
1: The girl from Yale who made an accusation said, uh, her, her literal quote was um, <laughs> that after a- assessing her memories for a week, she decided something happened to her when she was passed out.
0: Yeah, right, right. Oh, yeah,
1: okay, that's, yeah. I just right. said to Kavanaugh, the latest genitals on her face no when- no
0: no i understand i i i i watched it, and I, it but but i understood what he was going through but in a way it didn't surprise me at all that they were trashing him because he was such such a threat the liberal thing regarding the supreme court well and and also what an
1: exemplary life he has led yes <laughs> right? of
0: course yeah right okay
1: oh it, it, it's it's shameful and and i have some liberal friends who got sucked into it uh like, well, what about this and that? I'm like, wait a minute. Seriously, you're, <laughs> you're going back to his high school yearbook? Um, right,
0: right, right. Well, the thing that was fabulous was that he took a, he he, he, was, he was so uh, organized, he kept his own diary. So, so in a way, it's like, it, it kind of made <laughs> me smile, too, when I heard about that, too. His
1: innocence, too. Parker.
0: Yeah, right, right. Okay. So uh, based on your experience in New York City, then, what was your initial thoughts regarding Donald Trump, because Donald Trump, believe it or not, I think was a contrarian at Penn, probably.
1: Um, my my so I um, I did not vote for Trump in the primaries.
0: Well, I, I voted for Cruz, so I'm not. I, I I voted for Cruz. Maybe you voted for Cruz too. Well, who do you vote for in the primary? I also voted for
1: Cruz. I know Cruz a little bit, um, and um, I I uh, I. Trusted the fact that Cruz was a true conservative. I did not trust that about Donald Trump. And the odd thing is, Trump became a, a, a very conservative as president. I mean, just policy-wise, he was fantastic as president. You know, maybe as, as good as Reagan, even. Um,
0: well, well his, I, I, his eyes opened up because I because I was aware of him because I went to college in Westchester County. So I was aware of him all, all along, but, but he, he changed, too. He had his own epiphany later on in life as well. So, yes. I don't know that he had an epiphany.
1: I, here's my take on it. Um, he's a deal maker. And he yeah, came, of course. Yes. Right? He came to the White House um, prepared to make deals um, with the Democrats. But from day one, the Democrats threw a hardline position like, we're not going to do anything with you that that's just, you know, we think you're so awful that even doing a deal that we agree with with you taints us. Um, so Trump said, OK, you're not going to do deals with me. And tr- I think there's a lot of bipartisan stuff that could have happened if the Democrats had played along, but uh, they didn't. So I think Trump decided, if you're not going to do that, I'm going to do what I can do. And, and what he could do was a lot of fairly conservative stuff. And I will say, I think he's not a great human being. Um, I, I think he's deeply flawed and uh, he suffered from a, a, an awful lack of discipline, particularly where tweeting was concerned and just his personal demeanor. And, um, you know, I don't I, he's a New York real estate guy. Those guys are not nice people generally. Um,
0: well, 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 just from my perspective, I understand it because I rent. He, he spent very little money on his first campaign. He didn't even think he was going to win. So it's almost like he was working on earned media and all my campaigns that I had, I went in for a specific point, even had to do with the unrun Contras that kind of got me involved in the first place. But that's another story. But the thing is, I understood he was trying to earn media and part of the way he earned media was to piss people off or or poke poke holes and things. So, So in some respects, I understood the acting and what was going on regarding that. But he was a substantive guy that did things overall legally, regarding following the following the law, regarding all his real estate things. If he hadn't done it, if he hadn't done it that way, he wouldn't have. They would have gotten much more on him than just what they said they were gonna. But they didn't.
1: I'm actually surprised that it now appears he's an incredibly clean guy. I assume they did something. He's a New York real estate guy they haven't found anything. And all my liberal friends are like, he's not releasing his taxes. What's he hiding? I'm like, wait, what what do you think you're going to find there? He's been audited for like the past 40 years. What do you think you're going to find that the IRS hasn't already tried to find? Right.
0: right, Of course. And if he's been audited so long, it's like, yes. And, and, and New York city with the mob and everything else, it's like, he, he was kind of dancing along the line, but I drove a cab in Philadelphia and I had to deal with mob people there but it's like if if you were genuine with them they didn't bother you. So they had more problem with hypocrites that would t- take money from them and then on the other hand stab them in public. So 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 it's I never got the feeling he was that kind of person but in any case but but uh one of the things regarding uh what I'm involved in now and I wanted to kind of ask you about was this, um, the Durham thing, and, and kind of even the one-sixth fanaticism of the DOJ in DC circuit, a, a lot of these prosecutors or whatever else, they're taking the shrill woke crap of, of making insurrection out of a protest when they didn't care at all about what was going on in, in June of 2020 in Washington, DC. Do you think that is sort of typical regarding the Ivy League, kind of like total double standard regarding if a total total double standard regarding that? Because everything about what happened on the the 6th of January, even him contesting election results, he was following the constitutional process to do it again and again, but
1: the old joke is if the left didn't have double standards, they wouldn't have standards at all. Um, and but that uh, so, comes
0: out clearly in your book, too.
1: Yes. Of course, of course, there's a double standard. I mean, the way they handled the, uh, the George Floyd riots versus the way they handled the January 6th riot. Um, I, um, you know, it, it's awful what those people did. They should not have gone to the Capitol. Um, Trump could have been, if he said fault, he should have come out sooner that day against it. I, I should make clear, I, I wish Trump would, um, I mean, I desperately hope he does not run again. Um, I thought he was an incredibly effective president. The nation was arguably in, uh, in as good a shape as we've ever been in, um, running into, like, entering COVID. Um, and Well, well and, I,
0: think I, 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 I think that'll come out clearly in the primary because he'll decide and then he'll, Will endorse whoever wins. Uh, the, well,
1: he should be king. He should play kingmaker. The reason I don't want to run against because we have better. We have Ron DeSantis, who is Donald Trump uh, with Clinton.
0: Yeah, yeah, but what what I'm hearing about DeSantis is he wants to be governor for another thing. He wants to wait for longer. So, and he has no intention of going. This is what this is what I I've heard recently of someone who knew him. Oh, it was Michael Caputo saying that Michael? Uh, Caputo doesn't think that DeSantis will go against it because he's got many years ahead, and so he doesn't anticipate at all. Because, uh, but but we'll we'll see what happens. But anyway, I I have no concerns about it because I I think it's more concerned he's not going to decide until the Republicans take control of the House again. But they might even make him Speaker, and he remains Speaker through. Uh,
1: well, I know. I, I know. I also know DeSantis, um, and uh, I although I don't claim to be privy to his inner thoughts on running for the presidency, other than I generally know he'd like to run for it at some point. I'd like to see him preempt Trump. And um, because if if Trump announces, it doesn't look as that great if just DeSantis tries to run against him after Trump announces. In fact, I don't even think DeSantis would, but. if if,
0: No, I don't think, I don't think he will either, because I, I can't imagine Connie Mack doing that against Ronald Reagan either. So. Um, but Connie Mack, of course, was senator from Florida, so it's like DeSantis reminds me of Connie Mack.
1: But if if DeSantis announced first, he could actually preempt Trump. I I just hope they come to some kind of understanding. Trump, there's too much baggage that comes along with Trump. Well, I mean,
0: we'll, we'll see what happens. But he's no but He is no better tr- triggering left than anything else. And it's like now they're making themselves look more and more stupid. So whether it be Nadler trying to go after him or the N.Y. why New York PA and them crapping out regarding their grand jury and everything else. It's like, and and two impeachments and everything else. It's like, you know, but, but in any case, my plan is in a couple of weeks to go to the, the uh, suspect trial just to hang in there and, and do a um, reporting for the group regarding what I see go, going on with that. So that'll be fun. I could do that now that I'm retired, so. That'd be interesting. So, uh, but but uh, but basically, I guess back to the original question I had is, does it really surprise you that all the activists and everything else are these woke people that go to Ivy's and such like that too?
1: Well, that's who the Ivys want these days. They they all but recruit these people. Uh, I mean, if you go if you go to a Yale foot, Yale Bowl holds almost seventy thousand people. And when I was at school there, you know, we, we would only sell that out for the Harvard game, but we would definitely sell it out. And the Princeton game would get 50,000 or 55,000. The student section was uh, full in most games. Now, if you go to a random Yale Brown football game, uh, not only will there, will there only be about six or 7,000 people there in a stadium that holds 10 times that many people. So it looks kind of pathetic, but there are zero students. The only football game that the students go to now is the Harvard-Yale game, and um, oftentimes it's only so they can protest something. So that uh, social justice warriors don't go to football games. No, that's,
0: no I understand. That's sad. They, they, they don't have
1: school spirit. In fact, they're kind of taught to hate the very school that's probably giving them a full free ride. Um, well, so, well, you know, one,
0: of, one of the things I, I wanted to ask you about, because you've been at Yale whatever else, because when my son started at Yale, um, he, he was very disappointed because there wasn't an active running club for grad students. And, and, and that really surprised me because I had heard when I was going to college that they had one and such like that. So, so he, he played a role in helping to start the New New Haven Road Runners again. So he was running cross country all, all during his time at Yale. Um, and so as, a, as far as I know, the group is still going on. But the thing is, it, does that surprise you, the fact that they gave up running clubs and stuff like that? I, know. Well,
1: I, I played, th- one of the great things about Yale yeah, when I was there was intramural sports. I played 13 different sports, uh, including, by the way, baseball, like not softball, but baseball, although we also had softball. Um, and I played full tackle football with pads and everything. These were intramural they were cross too. Um, no, I did not play lacrosse. That was actually. Swarthmore
0: was a big thing. sweatmore. It's a big thing is lacrosse. So.
1: They didn't have intramural lacrosse. That was one of the few things they didn't have. But the point is, you know, something like intramural football, which was an enthusiastic part of the school then, uh, no longer exists. Because, again, social justice warriors aren't interested in playing football. Right. They're only interested in one thing, activism.
0: Well, well, would you explain that that's why that they see the whole rest of the country, the red areas as deplorables and stuff like that? Because to me, I started working when I was 12 out, out of things that I've been working all my life. As, as I know Donald Trump was, his dad started him working at age 13 or something, or maybe he was 12 too and his, with the construction guys. So it's like he knew how to talk to those New York, New Jersey guys. So that, that was quite clear in his language. And that really, that language he uses is very, very annoying to upper-crest elites. It's all about style. Uh, does, that make, does that make sense too? But it's like, uh, you know, during college, I drove a cab in Philadelphia because I needed to earn money for my college. It wasn't for fun. But well, I, I still had a great time with those guys though.
1: If you're so suggesting that the Ivies are... Uh fully ensconced in a, a cultural left-wing elitism, uh, you, you would be correct.
0: Okay, v- very good. So that's the kind of sum up or whatever else, uh, uh, and uh, we've been talking about a lot, have we talked enough about it in your book? Do you wanna mention anything else more about it or, or what your thoughts are regarding current events before we kind of end this?
1: Well, I just, I'm involved in this new process now of turning the book into a TV series where, um, well, I didn't think I'd be involved at all because my understanding was that uh, authors of books that turn into movies and TV shows are sort of uh, not not really welcomed into the process, but they seem to be bringing me in a bit. And uh, um, it it, their goal is to make it a, a streaming series that lasts four seasons, and each uh, there's a character named Lulu in the book, who's the central character um, and the, each season would be one year of her college
0: experience. Well, one thing I'm kind of curious about, what what made you choose that particular um, person to do the uh, narration for the audiobook of your ver- version?
1: Well, that's interesting. I actually was pretty disappointed in how that turned out. And I did choose the person who, who narrated it. Um, I, I was surprised when St. Martin's Press let me to do the choosing. My editor and I agreed we wanted a woman, because
0: Yeah, I was asking why, because it doesn't it, because you wrote the book, and it's like uh, to have a woman talking about talking through it sounds a bit... Well, there
1: are, a lot, there are lots of characters in the book, and some are male, and some are female, but um, you know, in any novel, there are No, no, no.
0: I understand it. It, it, It's just the kind of thing where, in a way, it's like uh, to have the woman do the whole thing, which is a bit of a surprise when it was written by you, particularly about these things. Uh, I I decided not to get the audio book because because I wasn't expecting that. Nothing against her personally. She has a nice voice, but it's like it just felt out of place. Oh,
1: you you have to choose one or the other, right? Oh, obviously. uh, I find um, men doing women's voices a little creepy.
0: No, I agree. Yeah, okay.
1: That's less creepy than women doing men's voices. So that's kind of what it came down to. Okay. Uh, and I listened to lots of different tapes of different uh, women and chose this one. And I was honestly a little disappointed. She has a bit of up speak going on. And, and there's certain, and you know, when you write something, you know exactly which, word in a sentence should get the emphasis and she seemed to miss that a bunch of the time and she she pronounced Lizard frere Lizard freres um you know things like that um it, so that's okay. I, it's okay
0: nothing to worry about there that's fine
1: well it did it i i, uh, I cringed Quite a bit when I finally. Oh,
0: okay, oh, okay. No, I'm just saying. As an outsider, I understand you. You being upset about it. Like,
1: I'm glad you're reading it, and not listening to it. Let's put it that way.
0: Well, no, I like here I like hearing it and seeing it from your perspective. Whatever else, I understand it a lot more. But as I said, it's hard going through with my background and trying to just in my own college experience deciding I didn't want any part of it. I decided to just. But the, the chemistry professors I had was from the University of Delaware and Oxford. So I, I wasn't deprived regarding how I did on my GREs for chemistry from the King's College. So <laughs> I, I, I didn't lose out on anything or, or math. I did pretty well there. So it's like I was all ready for grad school when I went off. So that's all that mattered to me anyway. So, okay. So uh, a- any more comments about your book to kind of finish up? I think. I, I've asked the questions I want. Do you have any more of me, or whatever?
1: No. Um, everyone uh, enjoys the book. Uh, it's meant to. Uh, I'm sorry. I, you know, my uh, the first few people that I knew that read it read it in, in one sitting, uh, which I've never done with the book. So um, uh, it's supposed to. I'm surprised you've been able to put it down. and You're not supposed to be able to put it down. Uh, it's supposed to grab. No, you.
0: no. As, as I said, I've read three, three chapters, and it's like. Ugh. I lived through a lot of this already uh, things because your use of hyperbole and everything else um I don't know how to describe it but I I came out of a very liberal family where I was the I was not only at Asperger's but I was the only conservative other than my father so it's like uh, there's all sorts of other dynamics going on regarding the fact that my grandfather that I was named after didn't like my father, who my mom chose, and such like that, and all the nonsense that happened after that and everything else, sew it away. It's like uh, I I, I was steeped very much in what you are describing there, but they were a lot more mature when I was growing up because I'm, you know, I'm 64, so I'm a little older than you, so I understand kind of where you're coming from, but to live it now and see what's going on now just is more depressing for me. So, I will eventually finish it to get to the point at the end, whatever whatever it is. But in case, I, I think I read enough. Did I read enough so I, at least I could answer you, ask you decent questions?
1: Well, you know, I'll say one more thing about it. Um, I knew uh, I, when you write a novel, what you typically do is you send it to a couple of friends when you're done with the first draft just to get, you know, a little feedback. Uh, and one of my friends said, a couple of them said, you know, you might want to take this out or that out that might okay. hurt people a little too much. And I didn't change anything. Um, and I knew going in that if I didn't really piss some people off with this, uh, I probably hadn't done a very good job. I hadn't, I, I had not done what I said, what i had set out to do. And um, I will say that one guy hated campus land so much that he, no you need
0: good then. That's not. Right. Okay, go
1: ahead.. Sorry. He, uh, he ran afoul of Amazon's 2000word review limit and gave it one star. And then he referred people over to Goodreads, where he ran afoul, I think, of their 3,000word limit. And then he referred people over to his podcast where he dedicated three 40-minute podcasts to how much he hated Campus land. And he has a website where he has all this, um, you know, trash talk about campus life. Oh, excellent, good. That, he's from you know Boulder, Colorado, and if I'm not pissing off a few people who probably are hanging out in coffee shops in Boulder, I'm I'm not doing what I set out to do.
0: Well, well do you want some good coffee that you could get Amazon for like twenty three dollars for uh, for two pounds, which is really really good?
1: I'm not a coffee drinker.
0: Okay, well, you could give them to your friends who are, but it's Kauai coffee. Okay. they make absolutely fabulous coffee so it's, it's you know it's not very fashionable but it's wonderful coffee that was a, bit of a segue but okay it, it's the only it's the only one i like so in case it's like with, with the medium roast it's whatever else but that may that may sound strange but it's the only one i like but in case i'm more a tea drinker anyway like i got i got iced tea in here and 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 the elite ivies and other people would be very offended the fact that i like this but it works and it's keeps it cold all day, so So in case, you know, ice, ice, ice tea is pretty good for a, a, a hot summer day, or a, a hot May day here in uh, North Carolina. Well, in any case, uh, really nice uh, meet, meeting and chatting with you, Scott, or whatever else. would be fun to, to keep in contact or whatever as you see fit. I hope you still like my tweets and such like that. I'm enjoying your friends regarding the NAS things, but I, uh, based on educational, and I guess my pet peeve regarding educationalists and how it's affecting STEM now, it's like, do you realize in North Carolina to teach chemistry, someone could have a biology major, no, a biology minor, just one year of chemistry, biology minor and a degree in education, bachelor's in education and teach high school chemistry here in uh, North Carolina.
1: And they probably have to write a diversity statement too.
0: Right, right, and, and 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 having a PhD or a master's in those subject areas won't get you a certification, and they always wonder regarding what what's going on. So, but that was something I talked about with John Ashcroft years ago when I was running for office, because I said, "Could you teach ethics at any high school in in the state he was from?" And he said, "No, he couldn't because he didn't have a teaching certificate either." So so, in any case, it's kind of... I, I,
1: I taught uh, at Yale, and if I walked into my local high school here to try and uh, get a do- job teaching, they wouldn't take me because I don't have a master's in education.
0: Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and, and see, that's that's what our kids are stuck with. So it's almost like it, we just have to do our job to, to do that. Okay, well, great uh, chatting with you. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. And I just want to thank you for kind of uh, let it, letting me me kind of interrogate you so to speak i hope it went well for your perspective but i'm kind of i'm oblivious regarding social cues so it's like i have no idea what your views are whether you're going to trash me in the next two hours i hope not all i can say is i hope it was enjoyable for you as it was for me but i want to say thank, thank you very much
1: host and nice to have me
0: all right well uh th- th- thank you i'm going to stop recording right now and i just we'll just chat a little after